Hi and welcome to the Andy Gorman Golf One Pot Podcast and I'm here with uh, my very good friend and this week's special guest, Gareth <laughs> Shaw. Gareth, um, we've got a great show lined up. We've um, we've got, well, season ending, um, you know, we've you know, father and son, the PNC Championship. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about child prodigies for some particular reason. I don't know quite why, but we will get into that. Um, European tour scheduling and also old brands, brands that you may have played with. And, you know, where did they go? What happened to them? So we've got a little bit of a touch point on that. And then right at the very end, so stay to the end, guys. We've got our Christmas special announcement and our New Year prize, uh, which will be hosted in a week's time so we've already pre-recorded um so that's our christmas special that will be coming out on the monday after christmas weekend so um trust that you're going to enjoy the show let's get going morning gareth how are you yeah very good andy thank you uh, it's um, it's all gone a little bit quiet golf wise, which is which is good. Um, obviously, this time last week we were anticipating, you know, sort of a U.S. Open, you know, that should have been finished but had to be dragged on a day. So um, it, you know, it's kind of. I think I think it's just glad that 2020's golf season's finished, and you know we've got, you know, we've got 2021 to look forward to. I mean, it's just you know. It, We've got anticipation, which is great. And, you know, I hope that everything's going to fall into place quite nicely. I mean, I've got to say that I was particularly enjoying some football at the weekend, um, but I'm not going to ask any Crystal Palace supporters to join us today, mm-hmm. um, just in case <laughs> we upset them. Um, for those of you who don't know, I was celebrating, it should have been in May. Uh, when did we celebrate? Was it July? Something like that, Liverpool, so after yeah. 30 years. Um victory and uh yeah slightly um well clinical clinical i think is the uh the best way mm-hmm. to describe the liverpool crystal Palace game this weekend um but there's been some there's been some interest about a little game with some dads and lads and over in the states um I'm going to throw it out there because it's a conversation piece. It's a challenging piece. We've talked, touched on it, not really talked on it in, in great depth, I don't think, in the past, but certainly touched on it. Um, child prodigy, mm-hmm. um, father and son challenge. Look, you know, what's your thoughts on the media hype? This is where I'm going with this, on the media hype on um, a young man called Charlie... Woods, who's got an old man who can play a bit. Um, for those of you who have missed the thread somewhere along the line, it's Tiger Woods. Um, mm. What's your thoughts on the way the media is hyping Charlie? It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because it's almost like you think of any famous sports stars. You could go back to, to that kind of footballing days like George Best and people like that and Kenny Dalgleish in terms of football terms. And the same with um, Greg Norman and Nick Faldo. I imagine this was the same. But with the kind of media and the social media that we have now, I think Charlie broke the internet Saturday into Sunday. It was absolutely yeah. ridiculous. But 
I love the way they both approached it. I love the way the Tiger approached it because it was very much quite relaxed. But when they were on the course, it was game on. They were there. They were there to win, which I thought was an amazing mentality to kind of kind of have. And they both played that way as well. I know it's uh, the crazy thing for me. I mean, you know, Becky and I have talked about it over the weekend with the shots that we've watched, and you know, crikey, like you say about the internet breaking down, but. Um, you know, when you look at some of the shots and, you know, we'll sort of put them out there, you know, mm-hmm. some of the shots that we're pulling off, uh, you know, the, the links and the feeds, you know, a little bit of work for Gareth to do before just sending this one off. But, you know, I mean, he eagles his first, he, he has his first eagle in front of the eyes of the world watching him play golf, you know, it's just incredible, you know, sort of like, Hey dad, I've got this. Um, but you know, the mannerisms, you know, he's just like his old man. Um, Best pumps, you know. the walking birdies. The, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, just like, you know, I don't know whether he's following after his dad or Kevin Nar with some of the walkings, mm. but you know, just incredible mannerisms on the course, such a professional, outlook and hey, look I, I would have expected that as well you know there's there's a certain swagger that you you know you're going to have or you're inclined to have if you play the same sport that you know the arguably the greatest player of all time you know it happens to be your old man but it, you know plus the fact he's also got um what, I, what the term in, uh, it's not a term I like, but I'm going to use it for social media platforming because we understand it a little bit more, this trash talk, mm-hmm. you know, sort of wind up, you know, it's wind up um, Justin. Justin mm-hmm. uh, Thomas, it was so funny. You know, yeah, the little ridiculous. note in a bunker, you know, supposed to draw it on this hole, you know, I mean, it's just... You know, he did it I mean, a couple of times. Did you see his next one? He did Woods 5, Thomas 0 in terms of green jackets. <laughs> right, okay. Um, yeah, you know, I did see that in a, you know, sort of a picture somewhere on Twitter and I thought maybe something had been said, but uh, I didn't see it. But um, this, the thing that challenges me, he's got big boots to fill. Mm if he's going to be a golfer and we've seen it before, you know, Jack had his lad tried to play golf. Gary player had his lad try to play golf. Um, you know, and, and look, I mean, they got to PGA tour status. So, you know, there was an element of trying, they, they to some degree succeeded, but of course, when you've got, you know, sort of 18 majors or seven majors or whatever it is to fill, then that becomes extremely difficult. You know, we've got Tigers 15, to fill and Charlie's clearly got some game. There's a huge amount of pressure there if he's going to play the same game as his dad. And and the the challenge, you know, I think we've seen it in footballers. You know, you, you mentioned a few earlier on there, but you know, we've seen it with footballers. We see a lot in cricket. It's quite interesting in cricket now. Um, you know, I see a lot of players, you know, who are names that I kind of recognise you know, from back in the day where, you know, I was aware of cricket, but not really sort of watching it, you know, and and then you start to notice these youngsters is like, oh, hold on a minute, his dad played and, you know, Rebecca's following in cricket um, and, you know, sort of awareness, much more aware of it. I mean, you know, she knew, you know, with, um, you know, the different counties that she was involved with, you know, she knew the dads of these players of England now <laughs> yeah it's just like cricket seems to allow that 
to some degree, I would say maybe that's, you know, I don't want to take away anything away from these youngsters that can play. They can play, you know, there's no question. And they're playing to some degree, maybe some of them better than their dads did. But, but you know, there's already a tie within the England setup and county setups that is going to give them at least a look at, you know, they're going to have a little bit of a leg up. Clearly, Charlie's going to have that same scenario going on. You know, it's not going to be very difficult for um, Charlie to get golf equipment. He's not going to be wanting for anything, um, you know, <laughs> short of the fact that dad could afford it anyway. Um, you know, but manufacturers are just going to pick up on it on the basis of, well, you know, he's worth a punt at this point in time because he's got nothing to lose. Um, you know, but... I did note there was an interesting tweet from uh, Lee Westwood. I don't know what it was following up on. Um, I couldn't find the link above mm-hmm. it, but Lee Westwood made a comment about the fact, you know, it's PGA Tour, you know, can we leave this kid alone and let him be a kid? Um, I don't know what had been said, but, you know, just kind of interesting. And I think, you know, if they're looking at stats, TV stats, I'm sure they went through the roof. There's no other golf on you know, TV stats, but, you know, the girls were having their tour championship, but, um, you know, hey, we're talking about father and son sort of silly season event. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. I have no idea who won the tour championship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the largest purse in ladies golf and, you know, don't know. I mean, you know, we'll find that out in a, in a moment or two, but, mm. you know, it's it, the, the dangers, dangers here, you know, and Tiger will do his very best as most dads would in that situation and protect their child. We know a lot of dads don't I say most do, but we know a lot of dads don't at numbers enough to say a lot. Um, but, you know, most dads are going to look after their kids and do what they feel is right for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, but there are some out there that, you know, for, for whatever reason, see it as, you know, their cash cow or whether it's their, you know, their pension or whatever it might be. And, you know, it, you know, that happens in football. We see, you know, a lot of, you know, not so privileged kids making it big. You know, we were watched Spotty last night. It was the um, sports personality of the year. You know, and, one. You're a man one, Andy. Another sport that father, yeah, Lewis father did, and yeah. son. Although, I've got to be honest with you, I put my bet, my sort of punt on there, um, and we put it in there for Holly Doyle. And yeah. partly because Becky knows Holly's mom, and she grew up with her. Um, they were best friends and naughty teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just throwing in a naughty bit. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> you, no, <laughs> uh, entirely. Knowing Becky, that it would have been naughty times. Um, you know, but uh, yeah. So Becky knows her mom and followed Holly, um, Holly's, um, uh, you know, sort of, well, career really. Yeah. And, you know, over the last couple of years, we've just, you know, got more and more and more excited. And it was a fantastic, um, uh, you know, sort of testimonial, you know, she's got everything, you know. Um, so when, you know, when you've got, you know, when you've got, you know, the, the spotlight thrown on you, and, you know, and I think, you know, from where I'm going on this one is Marcus Rashford, you know, Man United striker, you know, out and out, all around great footballer, had a very, 
I wouldn't call it a humble upbringing by the sound of things, you know, where there was, you know, not even enough food in the house. There wasn't food in the house from one day to the next at times. And, you know, food would be coming in with mama after she'd come in doing three jobs. You know, we've heard that before, you know, Lewis said the same thing. I'm sorry, but you can't do motor racing <laughs> on a humble background. You know, there's a, you've got, there's got to be an element. It's too expensive, you know, mm. any kind of cart, you know, is just going to cost you too much money. So I'm not saying that, you know, it wasn't a lavish upbringing, but, you know, to do any kind of motor racing is a privilege. Um, golf is deemed to be a privilege, but it is less so than motor racing, motorsport. And football, you know, literally, you, you know, a pair of trainers and you can borrow somebody's football, you know, and you can play and you can learn and you can become a great footballer with a, through a very humble background. We do see a lot of parents doing it, you know, pushing their kids to it, you know, pinning all their hopes on it and, um, it, you know, it, it not going well. Um, you know, kids buying houses and cars and stuff like that for their parents and, getting them out to the trap that they've been in forever. And, you know, it kind of doesn't go great, you know, and, and the thing, what happens if there's an injury? Mm. So there's a lot of high risk to these, you know, very significant lottery tickets really, which, you know, which these kids are and they, they become commodities. Yeah. I think it's one of the biggest challenges. And I think this is where, you know, my concerns are for, you know, any parent who's, who's doing anything with regards to, you know, pushing a player, pushing their child into professional sport. You know, there's 156 golfers teed up in a tournament, you know, um, sorry, maybe 144, but, you know, it's around 150 golfers every week. You know, there's two major tours teed it up pretty much every week. So let's just say there's 300 golfers out there. They get the opportunity to play golf on the highest stage every weekend. And, you know, in motor racing, you've got 20 guys on starting on the grid you know, and, you know, rest of the formulas, very few. So now all of a sudden, it, you know, it's down to fractions, but even a, a tour card, you know, is not, nobody's, oh, you might get a couple of sponsors invites, but, you know, because of who you know or who dad knows or, but, mm -hmm. but it's extremely difficult to make it, um, you know, in any kind of form with, with any kind of sporting implements, whether it be your boots playing football or golf clubs out on the golf course or a cart, you know, to start you off in motor racing, mm -hmm. it's extremely difficult. And, you know, the pressures that some parents put on the kids to make it because they see them, you know, the big picture, the big ticket, you know, yeah. is, is massive. You know, it's not a, you know, 50,000 year job. It's, you know, it, it's either nothing or, you know, appears to be, you know, a nice outcome. Um, you know, for and potentially for a limited period, you know, there's there's also you can't be doing the lavish spending, you know, you've you've got to invest your money well. And mm -hmm. you know, these careers are long but fickle and you know, potential to be long, um, but are fickle and they can be, you know, testing. And of course, if you're a fringe player, you may have a job one year with half a million in the bank and no job the next year, you know, and you've earned the same sort of money but you've now got no job yeah. um you know so it, it is really tough you've seen it in the england setup mm -hmm. um and it's it, you know i don't want this to become a downhearted because you know i think there's a good story in there as well but you know <clears throat> dealing with 
pushy parents you know how 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 do we manage it i think neil touched on it when we in the podcast um was it last week the week before with, mm. with neil plimmer um at the, my experience with england golf with british athletics parents are quite humble and I've seen it a lot more in individual sports than team sports. So individual parents are very intense. They're very worried and wary, whereas team sports are a lot more relaxed. And you take the athletics, you take golf, for example, that it's really hard to manage their expectations. And one, one of the lectures that British athletics do at the start of their kind of child's journey or the, the kind of pathway to success, they call it, is they actually get the parents in a room and you lecture the parents. I don't mean lecture, but you go through and help and support them of how they can support their athlete um, better than they would previous without any guidance. So yeah, things that I've learned over the time with, with England golf and with British athletics, it just really, they're trying to encourage the parent to, to, to be a support channel rather than be a burden to the athlete's progression. That's the, that's the key. Yeah, I you know I think I, I get a I get wind of it when the child turns up for for the their first coaching session. Mm -hmm. the, the questions I ask, um, <coughs> who's answering the questions for a start, and it doesn't matter to me whether it's an eight year old, um, which is about the youngest that I'll take on board obviously invariably it's a parent that picks up the phone and says oh i'd like mm -hmm. you to have a look at my eight-year-old son or daughter or you know they need help with their putting or the short game and you know we believe you to be good enough to be able to do that you've worked with certain players in the past so they start to wax lyrical about your credibility and then go on about the fact that you know their kid has qualified for this and their kid has qualified mm -hmm. for that and you know, the smile on my face, I think, says it all, you know, when that happens, because, it, you know, sometimes just teeing up in a in a competition, you don't have to qualify, you, mm. you know, you just have, and just enter, um, you know, with some of the US kids stuff um, in the past has, has been very much a case of, you know, if you enter, you get in and if you qualify, you know, through a local tournament, you know, then it's, it's all great, but, you know, sometimes just teeing it up in the tournament is enough to qualify. So, um, you know, that there's not necessarily huge merits when you're spreading handicap flights across, you know, 54 handicap. Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, but of course, if you've got an eight-year-old, or, you know, in the case that I've had a few years ago, um, the young man who came in played off a four handicap at the age of 10, you know, there's a difference, you know, um, to it. Immediately, you know, you've got a young golfer, mm -hmm. you know, you've got a kid that can play, you know, what what's what's different about it? And I don't hear the kids saying very often, very often, and it doesn't matter, you know, I mean, I've got a, a young pro in today who I'm seeing for the first time for consultation, you know, and I'll ask the same question to him. He's you know, young pro, he, he should be articulate, he, you know, it'll be interesting. Where are you with this? Where do you want to be? You know, is the question that I ask, how good do you want to be? I'm expecting him to turn around and say, I want to be world number one in five years time. Mm -hmm. I'm expecting that. Anything short of that, 
it's kind of like you know it's a bit flaky you know yeah you know I talk about this a lot now you know in terms of performance coaching if you're absolutely adamant that you're wanting to play golf for a living there is no plan b the option you know so this is where it gets from a point of view of you all in you know now we had a conversation with neil and i totally get junior golf neil's point of junior golf is that it is a part of something that families do mm-hmm. and i love that i think it's a phenomenal i'm not even going to say it's a business model it's not a business model it's a way of life model you know i think it's phenomenal and i think you know i wish neil all the best in in his pursuits of that and he will make a success out of that as a business model mm-hmm. because it is all inclusive you know it is a full family model i think it is phenomenal it, you know not enough of us do that it's a little bit like saying you know well, all i'm going to do is teach beginners how to play golf phenomenal because we need beginners to learn to play golf properly you know not just you know sort of find a way to get the ball around the course and complain forever that they can't put chip and get the ball in the air it, you know it's we need folk to understand that there are some basic principles Mm -hmm. that help you to play the game better and you know and if we can apply those then the game of golf becomes easier for you so you know more enjoyable and you know the less frustrating etc but when it comes down to elite players there has to be a mindset that once a player gets to a certain point and says yep this is what i want the mindset has to be i'm going to be the best yeah because there's only 150 competitors on a given week. Mm. So if you are the best, you're going to compete against those 150. And, you know, you've got to be able to beat them if you're going to be the best. So Tiger was never of any doubt that he was going to be the best golfer in the world. Mm-hmm. Now, what constitutes to be the best golfer in the world, greatest of all time, call it what you will, if it is the majors record, then he's still coming second to Jack, you know, but he's won a lot more tournaments than Jack. Mm. But he's still behind in the majors. Yeah. And if we take it on that basis, then Tiger is still, you know, doesn't matter that Jack played against a lesser field. Palmer, player, Watson, yeah, yeah. Trevino. Yeah, I mean, like how many lesser players, you know, there, there may have been a more <laughs> consolidated pack of players you may have the option of possibly one of any one of 30 golfers could win a major now. You may well have had less than 10 on any given major, but they could play. (laughs) You knew who those 10 were and you knew that they were likely to finish, you know, those 10 were likely to finish in the top five. Mm. So, you know, look, multiple major winners, you know, all the time, you know, when you look at it. So you've still got to, you know, sort of batten that one down a little bit. And arguably, you could say that wins around the world and everything else that Tiger's had, he's had more wins than Jack, but Jack didn't travel as much. He, you know, you can't you can't always compare. Different times as well. Different at the times. Different times. Yeah. Um, you can't compare against equipments either. Or oh, if Jack could have had this equipment, Jack was going to win anyway. Mm. And Jack played with comparable equipment to everybody else. I mean, there was an argument to say that the golf ball he used was inferior to everybody else's. But he still made a way of getting it around the course. I mean, you know, it, whatever golf ball he had, he still had the best clubs, you know, mm. in those 
uh, McGregor uh, clubs. I mean, as all major champions did back then, you know, they played them. I played McGregor or Wilson. Typically, there was very limited supply of premium quality. You knew where it stood. You know, I mean, mm. it was didn't look very much further than you know than those two brands. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, Hogan won all of his majors with McGregor clubs. I mean, they, there's one out there if you didn't know that. You know, it's. Um, you know, he, he came up with the Ben Hogan company uh, after 1953 um, season and, and and subsequently, you know, he he's arguably his best season in 53 with three of the four majors and one clashing anyway mm. um, through travel. Uh, you know, you could, you know, he, he then decided, well, I'm going to make my own clubs. And Where did McGregor ever. go, Andy? Where did McGregor go? Oh, you know, Oliver Harbour played and didn't he? He won the Masters. Yes, he did. Yeah, and Darren Clark. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, Darren had them in his bag in the early noughties. You know, he was he was playing the equipment. Um, Lovely set of golf clubs they were Mm -hmm. at the time as well. They were, and that was the last of McGregor. It was that that point. You know, Mm -hmm. empty tourneys and and the like. Um, That was the last point. They sold out. and, and, you know, they, they sold out. I think they went under, you know, so they got bought out by somebody who, you know, I don't want to put brands and people and stuff like that, but, you know, somebody who was not going, their primary business was not golf, yeah. you know. Um, but what a brand, you know, and what equipment it made, you know, now arguably, you know, Muir has stepped up to the plate making Jack Nicholas clubs. You know, they looking very nice, by the way. They very, very nice. Yeah, they are. Bound, you know, and they, they, they make. You know, I mean, clearly they're they're an independent manufacturer in a, in 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 one sense, and they're not trying to compete with, you know, your Callaways and you know your Pings and you know your regular OEMs. But yeah, you know where where did McGregor go? Where did Ram go? You know, I mean, mm. prominent names. You know, Tom Watson, Jack Nicholas, Nick Price. You know, zebra I mean, potter, Andy, zebra potter. Yeah, I love zebra, that zebra potter. I know, I know. I did try it for a while. I did struggle with it, to be honest mm. with you. I, I, through my toils on the green when they started, um, you know, I liked the concept of all the lines and, you know, but I, but I struggled. Mm. Um, I struggled to find a potter to work anyway in the early nineties. It was, you know, once it, once I got the yips, it was. Um, it was pretty much curtains for any kind of putter, really. I mean, it just wasn't, it just wasn't happening. So, um, yeah, but, you know, we talk about the big brands. I mean, look at Maxfly. I mean, Dunlop, Maxfly, Slazenger, yeah. you know, wow. again, names that, you know, back in the day, Penfold, I see, are making a bit of a resurgence. Um, the Sevy gloves look very nice from Penfold, by the way, Andy. Little Sevy logo on the, the, the wrist. Right, very yeah, cool. I mean, Sevy was a Penfold player at one mm. point in time. I'm not sure what clubs he had in the bag, but... Um, you know, again, it's something, you know, Seve used to play with Sounder clubs in America and Slashinger clubs over here. I mean, what was that all about? Mm. Probably from the same manufacturer in the Far East with a different stamp on. I'm pretty sure that that's what it would be. But, you know, they did look different. That was the thing I would say. You know, they did, the images did suggest that they looked different. Um, you know, but gone were the days where, you know, you had sets of clubs over here, you know, and you travel with them. 
mm. you know it's uh it, now obviously of course you do travel with them but yeah you know and clubs go missing from time to time that's another thing you know it's um transporting on tour is is a challenge um you know clubs arrive a little bit late sometimes because they've missed the ferry um there's a fellow brian you know he used to look after the players clubs uh on tour and he used to put them into a truck and drive the truck across Europe oh. from tournament to tournament. And the players used to pay him, you know, to make sure the clubs arrived safely. I remember we got, we, we got to Ireland, uh, let's say it was probably 2012, but, um, and players were waiting for their clubs on the putting green, twiddling their thumbs, you know, sort of hanging around talking about, you know, different things. And <laughs> it was, it was funny. Um, it, you know, just, hanging around waiting for the clubs because Brian had missed the ferry ride. I bet it was like the postman arriving. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my word, yeah. It was just like everybody hoarding into the back of the van. You know, we know, obviously, that he'd missed the ferry, but, you know, and then he's got to drive all the way across from one side of Ireland to the other. It was, um, yeah, another sort of hour and a half or so, two hours before, you know, once he's got off the ferry. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot to be said for driving, for travelling with your clubs, but, you know, <laughs> it, it also... You know that in itself is hard work. Do you think you it's know, easier now for for kind of new companies into into golf, um, or is it more difficult because of the big players have got such a big percentage of the market? You know, I mean that that in itself is an incredible question, really. I mean, you know, is it easier? I think it's easier to get your product into the market, mm-hmm. um, but then you are up against some massive, massive players, massive hitters in the, you know, marketing, we didn't do marketing back in the day. We did it, you know, it was, it was largely player endorsements. Yeah. You know, a player endorsement's going to cost you, if a play, even if a player wants to do it for free, it's going to cost you some money because you've got to look after the management company for, you know, setting up the paperwork. Mm. And that might cost you 10 or 20,000 pound, you know, so, um, you know, a player who really likes the product may well play the product for nothing. You know, just may do that. He's going to want to get paid for it. You might throw in and tie in some bonuses um, in there. But yeah, ultimately, he's going to um, he's going to want paying in some way, shape, or form, unless he can afford not to. Mm. So, you know, it's. It, Again, it always comes down to the fact that these are interesting questions on the basis that there is not a definitive answer. I don't, you know, you've got to have some ridiculously good money to do what PXG's done. Mm. And then PXG is having to adapt its model. It came in with the, you know, sort of middle five-figure, sorry, you know, four-figure set value and all of a sudden the prices of everything else has gone up what mm. what pxg has done is not necessarily made a model for itself it's meant that everybody else will charge more yeah and it's not the guy who's selling the product that's making more money it's the manufacturers that are making more money which then they would arguably say they're spending more in the way of you know endorsement fees and marketing and it, it's all going up it's exponentially going up everywhere you look the costs are going through the roof. So it is a challenge, you know, um, you know, when a, when a ball manufacturer, you know, I, I struggle, I know with tested golf balls that are new into marketplace, you know, why would you want to get into that market? Yeah. It's you know, cutthroat with not a lot of money, yeah. not the biggest margin, 
you know, out there. Uh, I mean, Ian Poulter. Yeah, the clothing line. wound up his clothing company, Mm. you know, after arguably, say, you know, 10 years or so, I think it was. And he made Um, some beautiful garments. The trousers were were stunning, were stunning pairs of trousers. I've seen your wardrobe, mate, Mm. so you can keep those thoughts yourself. But, um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, you know, Colts puts it out there, doesn't he? You know, he's sort of, he's charismatic and, you know, he's quite happy to wear something a little bit louder or, you know, Mm. sort of more... or less golf, you know, um, he would have probably been one of the first brands to have had a, a hoodie out there, mm-hmm. given half the chance. So, yeah, I think it's uh, you know when we look at when we look at the playability of equipment nowadays, it's easy to get clubs made, and I think that's one of the things you know it's easy to get clubs made. I mean, you know, I'm having conversations a little bit later with a guy who's developed a putter and you know thinks it's Great, I'm going to see. I'm hoping I'm going to see the products. I've seen his shaft, mm. and you know, I, I like the way that it performs. And you know, there's no there's, feel is again subjective. So, you know, the data that we've we've got on the product is you know is pretty conclusive that it does what it says on the tin. So, um, you know, it's strong and robust, and you know, has great feel and does all the things you want a putter to do so you know uh, it's uh, you know but then you still go get it into market yeah and and again that's what i saw last year at the pga show and you've probably seen me from the countless times you've been of with those little sections of the putter manufacturers the hardware the accessories the footwear Mm. everybody's got the best product in their eyes and, oh, it is quite, su- yeah. and it's such a big show that you think, wow, these people, it's going to be a hard slug for your product to stand out from the crowd. Yeah, I remember the guys, I remember talking to the guys at Lab Putters when they just got mm-hmm. their directed force putter. And, you know, that first one with the shaft right in the middle of the head. And I'm going like, okay, look, I, I'm not going to doubt your science behind it or anything along those lines, but that just looked ugly, you know, and there's an element of, you know, that's, you know, it's their baby. It's difficult, you know, for you to say, you know, pick up, you know, it's, oh, what do you think of my mm-hmm. newborn son? And you go like, oh, look at the size of the nose. Um, <laughs> you know, do you tell dad, you know, that, um, you know, and I am a little bit blunt when it comes to, if something doesn't fit the eye when I've got to put it down 25 times around, I'm not going to use it. Mm-hmm. Now, if it means that I'm going to, am I cutting my nose off? Oh, excuse the pun. Uh, to <laughs> swipe my face here. If it means that I was to use it only 18 times, could I use it? <laughs> I don't I'd ever get to that point on the basis that I don't like the look of it. So there's, the, the brain's telling us that we don't want to use it. Mm. You know, and this is sometimes, you know, I like it when the manufacturer comes through and they go on and they wax lyrical about their products and it actually works. I like it because it doesn't happen very often. Mm. You know, training aids and, you know, they throw loads of stuff at us and we've been very fortunate. We've seen some phenomenal training aids, but, you know, throwing stuff and going like, wow, 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 this is amazing. This is amazing. It's like, well, what's it supposed to do? Yeah. You know, what have you designed it to do? You've spent 25, 50, 100,000 on this product what's it actually designed to do? Because mm. at first hand, I can't figure it out. 
And you know me that I'll find a way of multi-using a product rather than single using. So if there is a way that we can use it more than once, then we will. But yeah, you know, I mean, I love it when a manufacturer says this is the best shaft you'll ever swing or, you know, putter you'll ever stroke because of the way this shaft performs or this does this and that does that, you know. Okay. Oh, wow. I, and, you know, I do get to a point where actually I don't want it to work. Mm. You know, I want it to fail. I want it to be shit. <laughs> I don't want it to be able to perform as well as it does. And I tell the guys, you know, when I give mm. them my, you know, sort of opinion of it afterwards, I say, look, you know, I actually didn't want it to work. And these are the reasons why I didn't want it to work. You know, so I tell them partly because you were full of hot air and everything else. But tell you what, you've got product. You got a phenomenal product. Now, what you've got to do is figure out how you're going to get it into market because that's the toughest challenge of all. Yeah, you know, and you've got to go where your diverse uh, audience is, which is America. Have you now got a pattern, and have you got the money to go and market it? Because you know, hundred grand will just a little drop in the ocean. You know, and it's that's no money at all. Yeah, um, especially when you're sh showcasing the product at, at the PGA show and things like that. It's it's a big expense. It's a big commitment to go and showcase Massive. you and your brand at the PGA show. Yeah. I mean, that's 25 grand to do it half decent, mm -hmm. you know, so, and you're not getting much for that. Mm -hmm. you know, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on this year's show, Andy, the virtual kind of aspect of it? Think it'll work. Are you going to attend? Um, I, well, I haven't, I haven't registered. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I'm a browser anyway, so mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm not one that's going to go in and book appointments to, you know, to go and see stuff. I, I'm always intrigued about it. I've missed going this year mm -hmm. um, in, in January. I really did, but um, you and mine was there for you. We, we had the conversation. Yeah, you know, us. needs must, you know, for stuff that was going on here, and I'd had ten years of uh, of going, and that, you know, that in itself was phenomenal. But you know, it's. Um, you know, and I've been 13 times, so you know, I've not there was a big gap in the middle, but you know, it's yeah, yeah. I, I like to browse around, just like to sort of take it in, you know, not necessarily I'd have two or three appointments a day, and then you know, I, they're pretty diverse areas of the you know, going around, and then you're looking for that something, you know, I'd always have a little pot of gold ready to go and spend you know so you know there was always a budget there to bring some training aids back that i hadn't seen before would never see again um i've probably spent half of that and never used the product again you know having got you back to the studio and tested it and you know so the yeah i get virtual i I don't know how they're going to do virtual and it'd be great if they can do virtual and say, well, you know, here are the options for training aids, you know, training aid companies and to, 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 to do, you know, um, I don't know how they would set it up. I don't know what the costs would be. You know, I've had no press packs or, yeah, nothing's you know, come out, yeah, nothing, just that pre-register stuff's come out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I would have thought the opportunity to, you know, to sort of put your product out there, having been a, a, a trader, in the show before possibility of you know folks sort of having a look and seeing what you do and you know it could be a good opportunity for them but i've seen nothing mm. i can't see how manufacturers would spend any kind of money either you know with it it's virtual so yeah, yeah you, showcase, 
you know, but I, you know, I think it'd be relatively, you know, I mean, look, you know, you see the Callaway stands and the Tyler mm. stands oh, and things, yeah. you know, the million, they're million dollar stands. I mean, mm. it's, um, they look spectacular, but you, you know, you couldn't, what, what are you going to charge for, for a virtual show? There's no, no showcasing. Mm. Um, so it, it, I, I think it's, um, it's a good opportunity for the PGA merchandise show as a brand to think about how it's going to change its change the way it does things or improves it. Yeah, you, you touched know. you touched on it at the start, um, but the 2021 European Tour schedule. What do you like about it? What what are you, what are you excited about? I'm not over over depth to be honest with you with it. You know, I like the fact that there's tournaments dotted around. You know, we've got a UK swing in effect again. It looks like you know we've got those um, tournaments. I think you know it's a packed. You know, if what is it? Is it 44 weeks or mm. something like that? Yeah, exciting. So I think um, you know when I look at it from that point of view, you know the playing opportunities are phenomenal. Um, course you know it'll be interesting to see how things pan out economically and politically and travel wise i mean look you know, if the european tour started tomorrow you couldn't travel from the uk all uk based players can't travel so you know that's that's going to be interesting to see we didn't have that the first time around so you know we, we you know it's going to be it's going to be interesting as much as I think the schedule is you know it, it's packed and you know I don't know how many we've played this year all told I can't remember the exact number but it, you know it, there's a lot more than than last year um, this last season and I'm I am looking forward to a full playing schedule for the players as much as anything else you know because it's it's extremely difficult when you haven't got momentum. I think the players now appreciate a little bit more what they've got yeah. and what they what they've had, um, and that there was a point of maybe they didn't appreciate it. Some of them, maybe even the vast, you know, mm. significant amount of them, but certainly, you know, they they needed to um, be reined in. It needed to be reined. It's probably not the right phrase, really, but you know, it's just a it's a toughie. Mm. You know, sometimes we just have to reappreciate, just appreciate what we have. You know, and I say in some cases, I think, you know, folk were a little less appreciative than they maybe needed to be or should have been. And, um, you know, we see that now the players appreciate the opportunities they get and, you know, a whole lot more. So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting. It'd be nice to go down the road to you as well. It'd be nice to have the Yeah, you know, and again, you know, with the. Because we don't know, it's a little bit difficult to say, oh, you know, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. You know, it's going to be great to see that event, that event, and that event. We saw them all on TV this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as they are good, I mean, it, my only concern is that the Belfry is in May. You know, so if it's a cold May, it's a cold start, you know, the, the course plays well all year round, but it, it is still coming out. It hasn't really started to grow and to, you know, to get the grasses to thicken up and, you know, they'll throw some money into it to make sure that they can bring it on as much as possible you know if, if water's the only commodity needed you know then they can do that but um you know if we do you do need some warmth so if you'd have had this may just gone you know then wow what an incredible tournament that would have been um 
but again, it would have been a hard bouncing golf course and, you know, fast running greens, you know, they'd firm them up. They would literally, it could end up being, you know, almost links like in, in a fashion, but um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see hard and bouncing because you can get off you, some of the, the corners of the dog legs and, mm-hmm. and the like, you can run off the fairway pretty well. And, you know, if you get the grass up in the rough, in the semi rough to, to put place the premium on hitting the fairways, then all of a sudden that golf course, you know, becomes much more of a challenge. So it, it, it's, yeah, I mean, it'd just be great to see, but and they used to have a tournament in May. Um, you know, I was on the ground staff when we had the English Open in May and the course played nicely, but it, yeah, it was nicely rather than playing spectacularly and, you know, which it did in, in August. Um, but yeah, you know, I think the fact that, you know, they've, thrown a few of the older courses back into the mix and you know from what i've seen at first glance mm. but they, have they just dropped back into you know what was you know the, the old norm you know they've gone back to what they know rather than you know i think the players have enjoyed playing the new courses mm. um, i think you will find that some of those new courses will host challenge tour events where crowds are limited anyway just because of the nature of the second flight but um, yeah, it'd be good to see how they, um, you know, how the how these courses that they've got going forward, you know, will will work out. So I, I think the European Tour did a phenomenal job, on, you know, yeah, really did. did. Yeah, um, you know, they attention. they made good something that was not great, and mm. um, you know, a situation that wasn't great. I mean, um, so it will be interesting to see how how it all pans out. Looking forward to going forward. So. Yeah. Did you want to hint on our Christmas show, Andy, just to finish off? Because we've got a Christmas yeah, show coming up. You're thinking exactly the same as me. Yes, we have a Christmas show out next Monday um, at our usual time. It is with a special guest and good friend um, of mine, Melvin Fern from Four Counties Golf. He is the UK European distributor for Seymour. Uh, as well. Um, he talks about his other brands as well. We gave him a little bit of license to turn talk about that it is a predominantly a seymour show and because of that seymour uk are offering our uk audience uh, uk and european audience the opportunity to have a custom fitted putter uh, custom fitting with me uh, and a custom built putter from melvin um, and seymour uh, for the new year so look out for that for next week that's um, for all of our uk audience uk and european audience um, you'll be needing to follow us and like mm-hmm. us and share. And I'd like you to also tag in three friends. All right. That's the addition to this one. So it's like and share and tag in three friends. And that's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You'll see that popping out there. Um, and if you can do that, you'll get entered into the prize draw. The prize draw will, uh, will come out. Uh, first part of the new year we will launch that on the fourth the show of the fourth um so we've got a bit of work to do between now and then so that the show the first week of uh, january and um you know we will have that uh, that uh, prize announced uh, in two weeks time so it's a spectacular prize it has a value of around about 400 pounds um sterling so you know it's a terrific prize going into the new year um i do want to say an opportunity to say thanks to melvin and to seymour um for the offering and um you know look out for more information during the christmas week 
So uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to spend the new this Christmas with you. Um, it's already pre-recorded, so this is our last of 2020, and we're going to look forward to 2021 with uh, renewed vigor and uh, you know quite exciting things coming forward because I've got some exciting stuff going on with the coaching offerings. So again, looking forward to spending time and sharing that with you going into the new year. So uh, it's been great fun, Gareth. Appreciate all your help. I'd want to wish you and everybody else a very happy Christmas and a much, much more prosperous 2021, mm. um, you know, staying healthy and safe and uh, getting lots and lots of golfing. So uh, have fun, everybody. Enjoy. And we'll catch up with you in the new year.